This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Welcome to the Self-Talk Radio Show. Mind-changing radio. It was Halloween 2013. The strange things happen on Halloween. And I'm looking at the screen and I have my hands on my hips and I said, I want something that proves my mind shift exercises work. And I stomped my foot and I said, I want proof now. It was a lightning struck in my brain and I had a massive left brain stroke. And when I hit the floor, I thought to myself, be careful what you ask for. Dr. Donna Blevins, author of Mind Shift On Demand on Self Talk Radio Show. Brought to you by Scribe Media. Unlocking the world's wisdom. ScribeMedia.com. Ready to write your book but just don't have the time? Turn to Scribe Media Book Writing. Turn your knowledge into a book. Or Scribe Guided Author. Write it yourself with professional help. Learn more at ScribeMedia.com. Welcome to Self Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer. Have you ever wanted to get the reins on your thoughts? Well, this book might do it for you. Dr. Donna Blevins is my guest. She's the author of Mind Shift on demand. When you were writing the book, you had a stroke of genius. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'd be happy to. Uh, What happened was I was under the impression that the book was, the draft was finished to go to the final editors, and that was Halloween 2013. The strange things happen on Halloween. And I stood up from my computer, and I'm looking at my my screen, and I have this big TV screen attached to my computer where I can really get into the writing. and, And I'm looking at the screen, and I have my hands on my hips, and I said, I want something that proves my mind shift exercises work and I stomped my foot and I said I want proof now and it was like I asked the universe for proof and it was a lightning struck in my brain and I had a massive left brain stroke center left brain which is the area that controls your ability to speak wow (laughs) and when I hit the floor I thought to myself Oh, be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Now, did you have any indication that you might be, you know, have a stroke? Was there anything that happened the week before? Was this just out of the blue for you? It was out of the blue for me, even though I had been dealing with a heart issue called AFib, atrial fibrillation, where the upper chambers of the heart are out of sync. They they, um, are like a heart murmur. No, it, it's it's when the upper chambers beat, they're irregularly irregular, and it's like if you imagine the heart has a commander, and it says, okay, it's time for you to beat, and every cell in those chambers beat. Well, you have, I say, you have soldiers that go AWOL because they go, hey, I'm going to beat now. No, I'm going to beat now. No, I'm going to beat now, and that's what happens is that you have these cells that misfire, and so the upper chamber goes into a quiver and what happens is that people who have AFib are five times more probable to have a stroke and even though that was the case uh, I had when they they score people to decide whether or not they should be on an anticoagulant I scored zero which is good that means Mm -hmm. that means there's no reason for you to need that it had to do with my health and my blood pressure and everything else but you know, that was the, the basic cause of it. So it was, it, if anyone has AFib, take the anticoagulant, even though it's a pain in the butt to do, but mm. <laughs> go ahead and, and take it because it's a safe thing to do. Do you still take it now? 
Yes, I take an anticoagulant yeah. uh, now, even though I have had uh, two heart uh, procedures to remedy the AFib, and the AFib is almost fixed. It's really close to being fixed. And I'm able to, to calm myself now, which is interesting because when I get into an issue of my heart is going fast or it's out of rhythm, I can actually come close to setting my heart, resetting my heart by thinking differently. And let's talk about, I, I want to go back to Halloween night and you've collapsed. Who saved your life? Because this was a major, um, major event that happened to you. How fast did the ambulance get to you or how did you, how did you get help? Well, mother, mother is 92 now. My mother shares our home. She's been with us since 2002. We are blessed to have her here. Mama and Peggy. Mama Peggy, yes. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about her. <laughs> Mama Peggy. And Mama Peggy and my husband were had were ready to go for lunch. And they passed by my office. And they said, please get up from the computer and come with us. So they were actually waiting for me in the, in the kitchen. And when I hit the floor, I'm, I'm like, I, I was terrified. And so what I actually did was I had a conversation with my inner coach <laughs> because <laughs> she, and yes, my inner coach is a she, <laughs> uh, you know, she, I, I'm, I'm like terrified, you know, like I started to yell something and I couldn't say anything. And I just, yeah, in the book, you said there's only two words that you knew how to say. What were the two <laughs> words? Cause they cracked me up. Donna, and it was like that. And the other one was my favorite word of all lifetime now is crap. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd go to ask for something and you could either say your name or crap. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. yeah but, and and, but you were, were you cognizant of everything that was going on around you and you simply could not get the words straight? Is that what was happening? Even more than cognizant. I think that if you think about some people that lose a particular, uh, they may lose their eyesight, their hearing is better. Possibly that happens because our, our body kind of does that. I actually was so aware I can remember every single word that was said. And my hearing, it was actually better because when people were whispering, when the, the healthcare staff was whispering away from me, I heard every word and I knew exactly what they, they were talking about. She she will never be able to speak fluidly again. It'll take her eight to nine months before she can speak. And I had this internal remote control that I've used all my life. And someone says something that I would rather stay away from rather than buying into it. I'd go cancel, <laughs> delete. Mm -hmm. yep. and, and so I constantly did that. And I chose to detach from the disease and chose to observe it and remain an observer rather than engaging into it. And it was a fun ride to be airlifted from our local hospital to the state University of Florida teaching hospital. And, you know, I was smiling a lot, even though I smiled half-sided because my right side was droopy. My left side was smiling. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all looking at me thinking, I, they thought I was Looney Tunes because I was, I was so happy. Wow. I was able to speak in three days. In three days. Now, they said it was going to be eight months before you'd even speak. Didn't you have a speech language pathologist who came in? That's right. He did a, on the, the day after. So it was Thursday was that Halloween. And so on Friday, they sent the speech therapist in and he tested me. And I had pieces of words because they had actually done a, a brain cath where they actually were able to 
get rid of some of the clot and they actually injected it with this special medication that d helps dissolve it. And um, he said, you've, you've lost 95% of your vocabulary. He said, there's no need for me to come because it'll take too long for you, to, for you to learn how to speak. And I'm going, cancel, delete. And <laughs> on the following Sunday, when I was able, to, I decided that it was time that I could speak because I had gone through a process of finding my words. And I said, where are my words? Now I, I'm in the hospital because they're going to keep me there for a week to 10 days to two weeks. They weren't sure how long. And I'm looking for the words and I'm saying, where are they? And I got quiet and I closed my eyes and I saw this huge room, this huge storage facility because there were the walls were lined with four door filing cabinets. And, and I stepped back and, and looked up and, and it said word file <laughs> room. I said, oh, okay, my words are here. And I went in and all of the four drawer filing cabinets. Now my, imagine if you walked into a four drawer filing cabinet room and all the, the drawers were open and all the files were in the middle of the floor, what would you think? Uh, I, I refile them <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> or I burn them. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> I'm so frustrated, exactly. I just burn them, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I said, okay, so my goodness, my words. So I made a list in my head. I said, if I'm going to go to a foreign country, what are the words that I would want to learn? Now well, the first one's hello. And so I made this list about 100 words in my head. I couldn't write it down because if I took a pen and tried to write, it, there were squiggles, like little mm. round squiggles. Very frustrating. I'm going, where'd my yeah. writing go? You call the stroke of genius. Do you consider the stroke a gift at this point? I considered it was a blessing, a gift, an wow. absolute gift because... What it has done, it's given me the opportunity to experience something else that other people experience. It's because you know, I've done a whole lot of things that I've never even told people about. Sometimes I'll write a book about that and because of, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, Sarah. But I think that today that's okay because I love where I am. I love who I am. And the only reason I'm me is because I've experienced all that. Besides, when a coaching client comes to me and starts complaining about something that's going on, I can say, hey, I've been there, done that. Let's get over it. Let's figure right, out how to fix right. It. And, you know, you mentioned that cancel in, in your brain of someone who's telling you a limitation, a limiting belief, and putting that, employing that cancel, cancel. Um, you know, that's something that's that helped you heal so that you could say, okay, that's not how I'm going to heal. How am I going to heal? It sounds like you question, you ask questions in your mind. Is that what was the, the start of your healing of asking different questions? I think it was how I asked the questions and the fact that I chose to stay away from fear and I chose to stay away from frustration because when people are sick, they're afraid. And, and believe me, with a stroke, I was terrified when, when I hit the floor. I was terrified. And to be able to step out of that fear into a place of peace is it's mind-boggling because I had no idea the power of our mind could have that effect on the physicality. You know, we have we had this mind-body connection, mind-body-spirit connection, but I had no idea that it was so powerful. And interestingly enough, my husband insisted that I go share the story with my husband's shrink. And I said, well, okay. And when I did, he said to me, 
what you did was you trained your brain on how to find the words. Because I said, I didn't go around and look for all the, I never found all the words. They just kind of then appeared. He said, you trained your brain to rewire the the neural pathways. And he said, it has to do with the plasticity of the brain. And he said, you trained it and then it went about looking for the words. And that was a new, that was a new concept to me. And, and I, I'm, I'm thrilled that I was able to stumble on it. Do you still have remnants of the stroke? And, and that, by the way, is a startle to me because when every now and then I'll, I'll stumble on a word and I forgive myself for doing that rather than getting upset about it. As a matter of fact, I've been in front of people speaking and I would be searching for a word and it was missing an action. And what I have crafted to do is let people know when I start that I might have a mislaid word while I'm talking. And is it okay if I ask you for help to find that word? And people are delighted to help me. And I've been speaking in front of hundreds of people and missed a word and said, okay, this is what I'm looking for. And they say, oh, well, that's such and such. And it's a fun game because it's playing a game with your mind rather than letting it stay in a stymied place. Because when you're searching for a word angrily, or you're searching for a word because you feel like you're broken and you're frustrated. You push it away from yourself. That's right. You bury it deeper. Do you ever find that um, maybe the, do do things get out of sequence sometimes with, with you, you know, or or does your family notice anything like that? (laughs) That has nothing to do with my stroke. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well you know i i was gonna joke on i was gonna say look i can't find the words half the time i haven't had a stroke you know i've been doing that for my entire life so i wouldn't even know if i had a stroke at this point in my life we're speaking with dr donna blevins she's the author of mind shift on demand and when we come back we're going to talk about donna's husband her height, and also Mama Peggy, and the impact these people have had. Also, some of the great tips that you can use to shift your mind on demand when we come back on Self Talk Radio Show. Think websites are old-fashioned, out of touch with your core audience? Think again. While your tribe may love you on Instagram, you may be missing out on a whole client base that searches for you on Bing or Google. Then what? WebHelp US built Self Talk Radio Show's website, and I love it. Podcast uploads, open graph tags, SEO stuff, they do it all for me. WebHelp US, they even think of things like backing up my website, checking for viruses and stuff I frankly don't have time for. WebHelp US, professional websites for big picture people. WebHelpUS.com. Welcome back to Self Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer. My guest, Dr. Donna Blevins. She's the author of Mind Shift on Demand. After having a massive stroke, she learned in, boy, three days how to speak again. And we're talking to her about her Mind Shift on Demand book and how you can harness the power of your brain. I want to talk to you about your husband. Now, you write in the book, you're six foot five. And your husband, yes. Gregory, is five foot three. Now, has your height had any impact on your life and career? Our height has had, uh, has created pluses because when somebody sees us in a situation, uh, we draw attention. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, we get, yeah. 
Six if you feet. want to get five and five foot three for your husband, yeah, I'd say so. You know, and, and he is one of the few people I look up to, Sarah. I mean, he's absolutely a man with a huge heart. And I thought for the better part of my life, in the early parts of my life, I thought I had to find a man who was taller than I was. And because that's what you were supposed to do. You know, that was the physicality. And mm-hmm. what I discovered early in life was that men who were very tall, they had to be 45 before they really had social skills because they were focused on athletics Mm. and, and they really didn't have the social skills because they really weren't trained in that. And, um, and he was unfortunately on the other end of it because he had a lot of issues growing up because he didn't grow up really. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And, and even in our business, um, it was like if, if you have two people standing there and one is the broker and the other is a salesperson and I was the broker and he was the salesperson in our company and we're standing side by side, who are people going to go to? They're going to come over to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and, and also you, you can't predict a relationship is so much more than the physical, right? That's exactly right. And, and our, we are as people so drawn to the physicality and and I, I I want to let you know that I'm not discounting the physicality because that's fabulous. Oh sure, yeah. But it was well, just vision this. Yes. If I'm six five, can you imagine where he comes up to on me? At five, three? <laughs> okay, as a woman, I want you to know that's the perfect place he could be. Okay. So. <laughs> So, you know, it's like you go into a relationship and you just enjoy the person for who they are. When when you can get to that point, I think the older we get, the the easier it is to, to do that sort of thing. Um, I also want to ask you about Mama Peggy, too, because she's quite an influence on you. Oh, she is. She's she she is the woman who is truly an entrepreneur, even before I knew what that word meant when I was 12 years old. Mother bought a credit bureau from a woman in our church. And now this was 1961, and you can figure out my age by that. And she had, mother had no extra money. Daddy was a, an, on the extra board, at the, on the, the railroad extra board. That meant that he didn't have a regular routine. He, when they needed him, they would call him. And so we were really low on money. And we lived, it was back in the mountains of Virginia in a coal mining camp. And uh, Mama Peggy bought this credit bureau and she had no money. It was $5,000. Now that was a huge investment. I mean, if I did the numbers today, I would just be astounded at how much she paid for it. But she paid it over time. But she put that credit bureau in the corner of my and my brother's bedroom. Now, in those days, boys and girls in the same bedroom, that was just what you did. They're kids. We only had two Mm -hmm. bedrooms, and and that's where it was. And mother put the desk and the filing cabinets and the phone in our bedroom. Now, when I say I was raised in a credit bureau, I was raised in a credit bureau. (laughs) (laughs) Powerful woman and make do with what you got. That's exactly right. So you learned your resourcefulness from from Mama Peggy. Now, when I was reading the book, I, I love the imagery of gear up. 
uh, that that really got me going and got me electrified for the exercises that are in the book. Is that the best way for your brain to shift? I, I noticed you use a lot of imagery in this book. You talked about the filing cabinets when you had your stroke and seeing all the words everywhere and, and putting those words back in the filing cabinet. You just have a beautiful way in this book of the imagery. Um, how many brain exercises, mind shifts are in Mind Shift On Demand? There are a dozen. There's 12 mm -hmm. mind shift exercises and I've simplified them because when my coaching clients responded this way, when I would say, all you need to do is shift your mindset and they'd go, how the heck do you do that? And so I'd have to craft it to put it into words in a way that was simplified because hey, we understand things on a simple level. And I wanted to be simple rather than complex. And what I did was I turned everything into steps. And then at the back of the book, I actually put a, what I call a Rolodex, even though people who may be listening to this have never seen a Rolodex before. <laughs> <laughs> Think of a, you know, a, a, it's your own virtual database because I wanted each one of the mind shift exercise to be on one page. So yeah. you, you could have a resource. Okay, that's where it is. And on that page, it tells you which chapter it's back in to get the details of it but here's the short version because once we understand how to do a mind shift exercise and we step through it until we're comfortable with it because it takes about six times doing anything before it becomes ours that's just a natural way that we learn things six is the magic number I understand in relationship to learning but if you, you step through it about six times so I said you know take an exercise and work on it for a week and then try another one. And we don't have to do we don't have to do it for hours a day because all we need to do is to focus on mind shifting concept in a learning mode for about 10 minutes a day. And let's face it, you know, do you have 10 minutes to give to yourself a day? Sometimes, some days not so many, but sometimes I do. Is there a certain exercise that you, is like your go-to exercise that you you love to do? Oh, it has to be the, hmm, isn't that interesting? And Tell it's, me about that. Yeah, it, it's, let's walk through it then. Sure. Are you willing to put on your hat and step into the therapy mode? Sure. Okay. Um, bring up something, and you don't have to tell us what it is, but bring up something in your mind's eye that causes you a lot of stress really really a lot of stress it makes you anxious makes you unhappy can you can you bring some situation to mind oh, now, yeah. now, okay it's okay, okay. It's, it's here yes okay so what i want you to do is i'd like for you to rate where you are with that and when i say rate let's use the pain scale rating zero is nothing 10 is oh it's so terrible take me to the er so if you were to give it a number where you are how would you how would you Eight. Great. Okay, you're at an eight. Okay, that's good. That's good because we have something that, that it would be wonderful to, to ditch, to get to go away. So what I want you to do, first of all, the first step is I'd like for you to forgive yourself for being where you are right now. Whatever that feeling is, I want you to forgive yourself. Just take a moment. And sometimes we go, oh, I'm not going to forgive myself. Just, you know, if she, if she comes in and says that, just ask her to go away. Just forgive yourself for where you are. 
Now what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to name it. Now you don't have to you don't have to tell me what the name is. Ask it to show itself. In your mind's eye, close your eyes and with your mind in your mind's eye with your eyes closed, do you see it? Does it has it taken a form? Yes. Okay, so now it has a form, and that's a wonderful thing. And when I say name it, sometimes we the form just sit, doesn't appear. And if you are dealing with a situation and you're going, I just really don't have anything in front of me, just give it a name, and then look at that word in your mind's eye. So right now you have the form, and I want you to look at it. And the fact that you now have the form in your mind's eye, it has boundaries. It now is pulled inside your mind's eye, and it is no longer out there and all around you. It is finite. It now has boundaries. What I want you to do is just, in your mind's eye, step back one step from that. Are you doing that now? I am, yeah. Okay, and when you're doing that, what you're doing is you're disconnecting from it you're severing the cord you're no longer fueling this entity because when we focus on it it's giving us stress we are fueling it we are empowering it we're giving it energy so by stepping back and just noticing it you have disconnected from fueling it and it's actually moving away from you it's getting smaller because it's losing its power I'd like for you to, as you step back and notice it, just kind of revel in how good that feels to be where you are. And just look at that entity and say out loud, hmm, isn't that interesting? Hmm, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and now what I'd like for you to do is just, just be there for a moment and just feel that. And as you do, it is moving further away from you. It's getting smaller. It's kind of like it's losing pixels. And in, in the if, if you want it to be in a shadow, it's almost going there. Now, what I want you to do is open your eyes, look up into your right, and now pivot your entire body. If you're in a chair that pivots, just go ahead and pivot your body 45 degrees to the right and continue looking up. And Doing as it. you... Good. And as you do, I want you to ask, where would I rather be? Go ahead and ask it out loud. Where would I rather be? A little more feeling. Where would I rather be? Okay. Come back to me now and open your eyes. Now, you were at an eight before. I'd like for you to rate where you are in relationship to this issue. Oh, like a three. I mean, it's very powerful. That's great. Yeah, and what's interesting is that you can actually step through that with a simple tone. Once you become accustomed to going through that, and you've trained your brain on what you're going to do, because by, by asking where would I rather be, what you're actually doing is you're giving your subconscious mind a code modifier, because you're giving it something to answer in a positive way. You don't have to answer it consciously, because your subconscious is going to answer it. Now, what's the significance of looking in the upper right? It has to do with accessing your right hemisphere of the brain. Our left, 
our left is logical, our right is creative. So what you're doing is you're allowing that creative part of your brain to access it rather than saying, okay, I want something that, that I understand and know, let it be creative. Interesting. No wonder it says, hmm, that's interesting. I keep saying that over and over again. Um, there's several exercises in here. I liked the egg. I thought that was interesting. Um, oh, now, are, is this like, are these exercises like NLP or self-hypnosis? Is that what this is? Well, interestingly enough, I had studied uh, NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, in the 80s when it was first out. I actually took a week and did a week-long seminar in Orlando, Florida. It was one of the first seminars that was ever done. And it was life-changing for me. Mm. So does it does it include some of that? I'm certain it does because, you know, nothing is ever created nor destroyed. We, we are filters and things mm -hmm. that we learn becomes what we know. And I've studied all kinds of things. I actually have a certification in, in hypnosis as well, but I don't talk about any of that because, frankly, I've got so much alphabet soup at the end of my name, I just kind of wanted to get rid of all that. That's why I said <laughs> I wanted to go back to school to get a PhD just because I thought I'd replace everything else with that. Why not? Yeah, I, I love the book. I love Chapter 11, Chew on It. Um, you mentioned uh, about cows chewing on cud. When I, I have a horse that was pretty difficult to train. He, he, was, he was just abused and just a mess when I got him. And I read Monty Roberts' books, uh, how he observed wild horses chewing when they would learn something, especially from their mothers, and they would just chew. And I noticed when my horse would learn something or unlearn a behavior, he would chew and chew and chew, and then he'd get the concept. So it was that chapter really meant something to me to, um, you know, chew on something and learn it and, and improve upon our memories. It's a fantastic book. Is there anything you left out of the book you wish you had included? Oh, my goodness. I've got 500,000 words on my external that I wanted to have in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, more than anything else is that I just... I guess if there's one thing I've actually come across the last couple of years, and it, it, it's a it's a gift I'd like to leave you with, and it's when something comes out of your mouth that you realize is condescending to you. I mean, do you ever say things to yourself that's sabotaging? Self oh, yeah. Who is okay. that person? Okay, so... <laughs> Yes. I, I want I want you to know we're going to love on her right now because okay. when she opens her mouth, because things just kind of come out of my mouth. Now, mind you, I've been doing this for so long. You think, what well, you, you know, why in the world would Donna say anything off kilter? It comes out just, you know, it comes out without me having a handle on it. Just bleh. Mm -hmm. I found two magical words. When that comes out, what might you say? First of all, what might you say to yourself that's condescending? It would be easy. You know, we are on broadcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would you say a thing like that for Sarah? <laughs> that, that's my start, you know. Okay, so if you say something like that and it's 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 self, you know. Deprecating. Self, th yeah. that, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. I'm going, thank you very much. You helped me with that word. Self-deprecating. All you do is you add before you finish the sentence at the end of it, you say, say until recently. Oh, until words. recently. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. 
Yeah, and, and I think that there's no steps that I have to put in. That is a mind shift exercise. I believe that is so powerful that, that that's got to be a book on its own until yeah. recently. It is profound. And I have, I, I've got chills going through me. You know, when I say something that I'm supposed to be saying, I get these chills. And I go, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but until recently, I just stumbled on it a couple of years ago, and it's profound. And great. Using it myself and giving it to other people. I've even helped people who've had strokes and people who deal with PTSD and people who deal in chronic pain. Dr. Donna Blevins, author of Mind Shift On Demand, has some special gifts for Self Talk Radio Show fans, so stick around. Those gifts coming up next. Dr. Donna Blevins has been my guest. She's the author of Mind Shift On Demand. Where can we find more information about you and the book? On the website about the book, mindshiftondemand.com. And I have a four-minute version audio of this Mind Shift exercise I just shared with you. That, hmm, isn't that interesting? If you opt oh, in, right, cool. yeah, opt in right there. And I get on my list, and I'm going to be then getting back into emailing my list. Well, the book is wonderful. The resources are excellent. It's mindshiftondemand.com. We'll have uh, definitely links for you to get to Donna's book at selftalkradioshow.com. Donna, thank you so much for being on the show. Sarah, it was a blessing and a gift. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Sarah Spencer for Self Talk Radio Show. If you'd like to see our guest offerings, Find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon Alexa. You can join us for the conversation on Facebook and see our guest offerings on selftalkradioshow.com. 